What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the day of the year of the week. Conference tournaments take it up a notch after a wild day yesterday full of overtime sweats and buzzer beaters. Don't look now, but the top teams in the Big Ten and SEC join the fray with a loaded card of semifinal matchups. I'll break down which games to bet and how to use our futures plays to stay off other games. Plus, a podcast announcement for March Madness. Then it's a look back at another overtime crusher in the NHL with Let's Do That Hockey. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and I call this the day of the year of the week. And uh, a lot of people on social media yesterday talking about how great yesterday was, and it was great. Like, it was better than possibly could have been imagined. And if, uh, you know, the real tournament, if you will, is even, what, two-thirds that good, if you will, we're going to be in for a really, really fun time. But yesterday was really great because of the volume, right? Just a ton of games going on over and over and over again. But can it be the best day of the year in college basketball without the four best teams in the Big Ten? A conference that I think we all pretty much have agreed on was the best in the nation, with apologies to the Big Twelve. And can you exclude the Alabamas of the world and the top four teams in the SEC? And then Houston as well, you know, a team that nobody sort of thinks about when we talk about, you know, top eight type teams in the country. They are certainly one of them. And so now you get all of those teams into the mix and the teams that survived yesterday's just carnage of, you know, last second you know, buzzer beaters and overtimes and all of that sort of thing. Those teams all survive, and now we get the prime matchups here, right? You get your Purdue-Ohio State quarterfinal game. Like, how good is that? Even Iowa-Wisconsin, pretty good matchup for a quarterfinal. The Big 12, talk about how, okay, like, four really good games. Can you believe all these teams, you know, seven teams that could make the second weekend in the NCAA tournament from the Big 12? They're all playing each other. Even Kansas State fought hard with Baylor. We certainly had a lean to the points there, but I wasn't willing to do it at 20 points. That was as easy as it comes for anybody who was able or willing to take Kansas State. But now you get the semifinals of those, and we get Cade Cunningham and company with Oklahoma State uh, going up against Baylor, and now you've got Kansas and Texas, and like the games just keep getting better and better. And obviously the volume goes down tomorrow as we get into finals and semifinals, and then, of course, a handful of finals on Sunday. And so for me, this is the best day because you get these matchups, these last sort of, you know, meaningful head-to-head matchups before we go into the tournament. Uh, Eight and five yesterday in hoops, though. We did lose a couple of futures that we had, um, even just some half-click, you know, Texas edging Texas Tech in a game uh, that was incredibly frustrating, um, but sort of kind of perfect in a way for, you know, why we were on Texas Tech. And so, you know, quick recap, we're on Texas Tech 12 to 1. Um, Kansas announced that they're, you know, without McCormick, one, you know, their center essentially, 
the line or the number sh shifts downwards to nine to one for Texas Tech, and you're sitting there going like, okay, line value already. Uh, the point spread for this game comes out, and it's Texas Tech minus one and a half. And so you're like, okay, we've got, you know, we've got 1,200. Number's 900 now. Um, Texas, you know, was what eight to one and is now six to one. Maybe might even gone down to five to one. And Texas Tech is the favorite. Like, no matter what happens here, that's a really good bet. And sure enough, right, game goes on, and Texas Tech takes a five-point lead late in the game. That gets, <clears throat> excuse me, dwindled down to one. Texas Tech player drives, gets sort of tied up, um, you know, having the ball around his hip. A lot of cases, a lot of cases, that's a reach-in foul. In a lot of cases. So much so that, again, the, you know, equality between these two teams is Texas then gets the ball, goes down, similar play, you know, a little bit more wide open for the refs to see it or whatever. And a ball, you know, reach in again. Is it a foul? Is it not a foul? It wasn't a foul just down on the other side of the court. And again, who knows? Is it the exact same play? It's a bang-bang type situation. And the point is, is we watch these college basketball games all the time. And so we know what's going to get a foul, right? We know what's going to get a whistle. And then when it doesn't, it becomes surprising. And it isn't necessarily, oh, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? It's more of, is that called all the time versus is that not called all the time? And so the idea that, you know, same sort of tie-up situation gets called in favor of Texas. Uh, kudos to Coleman. He makes two free throws, and they win the game by one. And you're sitting there going like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you can't do it any better from a betting standpoint where you've got the favorite. You've got a better number. Um, you know, Kansas looks vulnerable in the next round. You know, obviously the numbers move from 12 down to nine. You've got the fifth. Like everything that you did was correct and it just didn't work out. And it could have very well, you know, have gone a different way where they call the foul and send Texas Tech to the line. And then the game just sort of shapes up a little bit differently. So that one was annoying. Uh, we're able to, you know, do better uh, throughout the rest of the picks as far as, you know, like I said, eight and five, there's a live bet on San Diego State. It's why you need to follow the, you know, the Twitter feed at authentic for stuff like that. Um, but yesterday started in a really weird way as I literally finished up the podcast, boom, hit publish, off it goes, you know, get to the Twitter feed and look through and it's Duke, 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 Duke. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm having... PTSD, like full-scale flashbacks to last season. And, you know, that kind of bummed me out for about an hour, hour and a half going into the start of all of those games. And then, you know, you know, I'm kind of sitting there going like, I was really looking forward to just seeing what was going to happen in that Florida State-Duke game. You know, I don't know that you know, we were going to bet Florida State, but it wasn't some like, oh, like we're definitely winning this bet type of situation. It was really just like, that's one of the prime games of the day. Like, take any other team, um, you know, given obviously all of the circumstances as well. And, you know, I'm sort of sarcastically saying get, take any other team, but there would have been a ton of other teams that would have been way more disappointing to have them go out like that. And, you know, I'm sitting here now and it's, you know, 10 a.m. Eastern thereabouts and I'm terrified that I'm going to come off this podcast and it's going to be Oklahoma State, Alabama, 
Illinois, like one of those teams that we're highly invested in going to this tournament. We're excited to see, even if they don't win the tournament, sort of how well they do, because that was the big drag last year for me. And, you know, I had different futures for, you know, on different teams, some of them pretty good, San Diego State being one of them. And it was just like, you know, I don't know if they were going to win this tournament, but at, you know, 80 to 1, we're really like to see how it was going to go. Right. Uh, Oklahoma, I had it 200 to 1. An under the radar team that, you know, over the course of this season, with much of the same players, pretty much essentially all of the same players, has shown that they are a very good team, even if the first half of the Kansas game yesterday wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, so, as for today, we'll just run through the board here. You know, I think we'll get this out quick enough that uh, you should be able to catch it before these games start. Um, as for the ACC, we're in the semifinals here for the ACC, sort of the furthest, uh, or one of the furthest along here. Uh, two sort of, you know, obviously two games here, but two different ways to play them, right? Uh, Virginia and Georgia Tech here. I like Georgia Tech plus four here. Uh, my number's two and a half. Uh, strangely enough, it opened two and a half and then moved up to four uh, you know, listen, we liked Georgia Tech sort of in theory as a futures play before this tournament started at 10 to 1. Talked about how the number was 25 to 1 on DraftKings. Maybe you grabbed that. That would be very awesome if you did. And this sort of is that game where now you can sort of decide after they win this game, theoretically, uh, then you get to sort of decide what your move is on this. Uh, as a person sitting out on the future, because I was only able, you know, able to get a 10 to 1 and just sort of decided to pass on it. I'm just going to take the plus four here and uh, and hope for the best. So hopefully they win outright and everybody is sort of happy getting into the final. And then the other game, Florida State and UNC. We were able to cash with UNC as our one play in the ACC yesterday. And, you know, that was nice given the fact they were down at halftime. We are able to come back and win pretty comfortably in that last minute. But this is what our future bet you know, this is where this is going to be decided, right? So we sort of pressed essentially with UNC minus four yesterday. And today they are two and a half point underdogs to Florida State. And so this is where we go, okay, this is the bet, all right? We don't need to add to it. We don't need to go plus two and a half. We don't need to add to the money line. We've got a unit on UNC plus 470 to win this tournament. This is that bet. They win this game. Then we get into the finals and then we can decide whether we want to get off this bet, whether we want to try to middle it, because I honestly, I think, well, it depends on who, who, who makes it here. I think if, it'd be interesting to see who the favorite is, I guess, uh, is my point. If North Carolina can beat Florida State and they face, say, Virginia, who is obviously the higher rated team here against Georgia Tech. But again, we'll get to sort of see that come Saturday and decide what to, what to do. And so if, you know, North Carolina loses, then that's the unit and that's the bet, right? And so um, when you're putting these you know different futures together, like that's part of the plan. Somebody asked me on the BetSperts page, by the way, the underscore window underscore podcast on BetSperts.com and the BetSperts app, said, you know, are, these, are you betting all of these futures? Because I put all of the futures that Ted and I talked about, I put them in the Back to the Futures blog over on uh, on the BetSperts page. And he asked, he's like, Is that, are you betting all of these? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, that's kind of a lot. And I just said to him, I was like, you know, sure. But at the same time, like, I'm going to be betting a lot of these. <laughs> I'm going to be betting these tournaments, like, throughout the next, like, five days. And these futures bets are acting as game bets or in replacement of game bets. And so from a percentage standpoint, like if I've got six, seven units sprayed around on six, seven uh, conference tournaments here, 
I'm going to have like five or six units on each of these tournaments in each individual games. And so it's just a matter of taking, instead of taking North Carolina plus two and a half, it's just take, you know, putting that futures bet in place of that, if that makes any sense. Uh, other semifinals here as we're going along here. Big, uh, big East, uh, Seton Hall and Georgetown. Um, something about this Georgetown team. Something about this Georgetown team I like. Um, give me them plus two and a half here. Uh, and maybe wait as sort of long as you possibly can. I think the line probably goes up a little bit. And I think you might be able to get three or even three and a half. But Georgetown plus three and a half is a play that I like. Um, the situation yesterday where, you know, overtime is where underdogs go to die. And we were on St. John's. We were able to get a pretty good number, I thought, at plus two and a half. It's a tie game. Seton Hall, you know, goes for two two points and miss it a couple of different times with their, you know, probably their best player uh, missing pretty bunny type close shots. And that's a situation where you've been cheering for St. John's the whole time. And now you're cheering for Seton Hall to just make the basket so we don't have to deal with overtime. And of course, Seton Hall gets there in overtime. So again, you know, listen, it's two and a half, so it's we're not talking four and a half or five and a half situations here where you still expect your underdog more often than not to cover in overtime. But again, just the idea that could you not have just scored? And that was really my only play in the Big East yesterday. I ended up steering clear of Creighton minus 10. Of course, they ended up blowing out Butler. But at the same time, I was also leaning towards DePaul and they got blown out by UConn. By the way, the UConn train is firing here on all cylinders and that brings us to our next game creighton and yukon this game is now a pick em, which at no point over the course of this season would you have ever rated creighton and yukon as even teams on a neutral court and that's obviously because of the excitement over yukon and i get it we've talked about yukon you know full well like we have yukon futures for the tournament but when you go up and down their schedule here like okay beating up on depaul that's cool and then some of these other matchups where it's like hey they beat on georgetown and yeah georgetown full value for the win yesterday against villanova and of course you know should be worth mentioning i think that's a sign of the times for villanova um you know for the tournament uh, a clear fade i think there you know but like okay yukon beats you know the butlers of the world the xaviers of the world and the marquettes of the world and the one time they had to play villanova at full strength and creighton you know, they lost to uh, to Villanova with James Booknight back. And I just think the market's gone a little bit crazy here with UConn. And the fact that this game's a pick em, I think I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm taking Creighton here just on the value play. Because again, you know, I don't have UConn futures for this tournament. If we get into the next tournament, maybe this sort of tamps down the hype when it comes to UConn for, the, you know, for next week. Who knows? I just think there's value here on Creighton that I think is still fundamentally the better team. And if Creighton was 80 to 1 the same way that UConn, you know, was when we bet them, we would have bet on Creighton at that time. But they're not. They're in that 4-5 seed range where they're in the 50 to 1 type of range. So it's just sort of apples and oranges. Now, all of a sudden, because of UConn's success, again, by and large, against some pretty mediocre Big East teams here, they're getting all kinds of credit. Uh, To the Big 12 here, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Uh, My number here is seven for Baylor. They're nine-point favorites. Again, I don't know, outside of Macy Oteague hitting 10 of 12 three-pointers on Sunday against Texas Tech, 
I don't really know if Baylor is quote unquote firing on all cylinders here. I don't think anything from yesterday would have us, you know, indicative of that. And so I'll take Oklahoma State plus nine points here. I'll see what happens. Um, as for Kansas and Texas, you know, again, if Texas was the same price as Texas Tech or sort of, you know, more appropriately, if you said, okay, between Texas and Texas Tech, Texas Tech is going to be a minus one and a half point favorite in this game then Texas, in theory, should have been a better price in the futures market, right? Say if Texas Tech is plus 900, then Texas should have been, you know, 10 to 1. They weren't. That's why we bet on Texas Tech. But I'm happy taking either of those teams against Kansas in this game. And in this case, it's, you know, down to a pick em. I did expect Kansas to be about a one and a half point favor, but it's tricky to sort of sort of figure out. Um you know, obviously with, you know, key player out for Kansas, uh, almost gave that a game away. And frankly, if you're being, you know, for being honest or sort of, you know, in my opinion, I thought Oklahoma should have come back and won that game. Uh, they just got a little stagnant on offense, just relying on Austin Reeves to just jack up shots left, right, and center. And that's just, you know, I like him in the flow of an offense and in a last, you know, a late shot clock situation, but in a, let's just give it to him, wait around 15 seconds and have him dribble drive or step back three, that's just not going to work for me. So um, I don't think, you know, this Kansas team is uh, to be sort of, you know, fearful uh, of. So give me Texas plus one here, even pick them. I think they move on and advance. Again, it's probably against Baylor. But again, this Oklahoma State team that at this point is now finally, you know, sort of everybody's the last to know type of thing. Now finally up to the three seed level that we've been asking them to get credit for right and all it's taken is like win over Oklahoma win over Oklahoma win at West Virginia beat West Virginia again like how much is it going to take to give them some regard here and finally I think we'll see them as a three seed kind of no matter what happens here in this game and that brings me to selection Sunday and you know I had sort of planned to do a segment here sort of talking about like what I'm hoping for for selection Sunday and, you know, Oklahoma State as a three would sort of fall under that category. But other than that, like, it looks like Illinois is going to be a number one seed no matter what happens. That seems to be, you know, the scuttlebutt out there. I mean, obviously winning today against Rutgers would help you know, sort of solidify that, I think. And, and, you know, it's not like there's any other number ones up for grabs. I mean, I suppose there's a chance, and this is something that we'd have to revisit come Sunday, but I suppose there's a chance if Michigan lost and Alabama won the SEC that maybe they jump up and get that number one. That's sort of a dream situation, but that's kind of a hard expectation to have, you know, on Friday before quarterfinals in each one of their tournaments, right? They haven't even played a game either of those teams and then so i go sort of through it and it's like okay well four or five you know those futures that we have in the four or five range like there's not going to be a ton sort of moving around there we've talked about you know oregon getting a six seed um you know obviously that's good enough right like i don't know if going to a four or five is really that much of a difference and you know might actually be a negative when it comes to their chances so You know, I'd sort of left with going like maybe North Carolina can move up from the 8-9 game to a 7 so that maybe we don't have to risk the, uh, you know, the chance of North Carolina playing Illinois in an 8-9, you know, after they advance from an 8-9 game to an 8 versus 1 matchup. Like that's kind of the point we're at with, you know, what I'm hoping for from a bracket standpoint. Obviously, the Duke news takes them out of... You know, what I'm hoping for from just sort of a fan standpoint, which is really interesting play-in games 
for Thursday. And with Michigan State's loss, that sort of makes them vulnerable to be involved in a play-in. Louisville makes them, you know, losing to Duke makes them vulnerable to be in a play-in game. So you got a bunch of these teams. UCLA losing to Oregon State, which, you know, we'll get to here, you know, in a second. You know, another one that just feels like uh, if you really wanted to, you could go UCLA, Louisville, you know, Michigan State, and there's probably another team that I'm not even thinking of there that's sort of in the blue blood milieu that can sort of get into, you know, that they can sort of actually move backwards in a way to get into a play-in game that would make Sunday really, really entertaining. And that's what we are sort of hoping for from Duke's standpoint when they hit 100-1, to just didn't end up happening. But... It'll be interesting to see. So again, not a ton there for Selection Sunday, sort of hopes hopes and dreams, if you will. Uh, talked about the Pac-12 there just in brief. Uh, we have Oregon futures. We have Oregon State futures. We got there with Oregon State winning against UCLA. That was one of the big successes from yesterday. They have a big comeback. Um, you know, seemed like they probably should have gotten it done in regulation. Sketchy foul call puts UCLA to the line. They could have won with two free throws. They only got one of the two free throws. It goes to overtime, and Oregon State ends up pulling it out, which is exactly what we hope for. Now we have Oregon, Oregon State going up against each other, and obviously we're hoping for Oregon to win the game. My number for this game is nine. The point spread is nine, so there's no play for us there. So again, the Oregon State, like throwing in them in there at 50-1 to one was, sort of the backup plan which again has now worked out perfectly and so we should get one of those teams again hopefully it's Oregon into the final against either USC or Colorado and you might be surprised where I'm leaning on this because my numbers make this USC minus two and a half now they didn't look particularly great against Utah but USC is that type of team that one day they can look poor and the other next day they can look like you know giant killers if you will I mean they are literally giants so why wouldn't they be able to kill other giants And Colorado is a team that I like, and we have futures on them and all of that sort of thing. And they end up being favored here at minus one and a half. So I kind of think the wrong team is favored in this game, even if I like Colorado fundamentally. So this is going to be an interesting test to see, you know, should we be betting USC plus the one and a half, given that we are getting that extra point from a value standpoint. Um, obviously Colorado had some issues with Cal that one I intended to bet we talked about it plus 14 and a half I was hoping maybe we get an extra half point on 15 because again the market likes Colorado as they should didn't happen it actually went the other way it went to 12 and a half again my number was 13 so I'm not betting you know Cal plus 12 and a half when my number is 13 and of course they cover pretty easily in you know what was a very competitive game uh, especially from a scoreboard standpoint. So, um, you know, like it's not like Colorado was crushing it yesterday either. So I think USC plus one and a half is probably going to be a play for me there. Staying in the uh, semifinals, um, the Mountain West, really interesting results yesterday. We get there with two wins. I, again, I stopped short of betting Utah State, another one that sort of missed out on given the fact that they won uh, and covered a little bit dicey, but at the same time, uh, a pretty dominant performance sort of from start to finish against UNLV. So San Diego State goes up against Nevada. You know, we talked about this, obviously getting the outright win. Very similar situation with Oregon State yesterday where we were like, okay, we're going to take Nevada here. Uh, money line, roll it over. Same deal. Same deal against San Diego State. Now you're getting a really good price. We got a plus eight here that we're on Nevada. And then Utah State, Colorado State, 
My number's three, the number's four. I wanted to be on Colorado State anyway. Delighted that this, uh, you know, we're able to do so. Again, doesn't mean we're going to win the bet. But Colorado State plus four is a play for me in the Mountain West. So the two underdogs are the play in the Mountain West Conference. Um, let's skip over to our quarterfinal games here in the American. Uh, I'm playing Wichita State minus nine here. It's the team that I think has been rising all season long admittedly got pretty lucky from a scheduling standpoint in being able to beat Houston. Um, but again, South Florida and Temple, pretty ugly game yesterday. Neither of those teams particularly good. I think Wichita State takes care of business. Never love laying, you know, a minus nine here, but I think this one could be a walk for Wichita, so I'm willing to take my chances. Cincinnati SMU, I've got this number at six and a half. It's six. Um, I've even seen it sort of dip down to five and a half, which sort of makes me a little bit interested in SMU. Um, but David DeJulius, formerly of Michigan, has opted back into the season after opting out for this game for Cincinnati. So I think that skews, you know, what we might have uh, from an expectation here from Cincinnati, obviously. And maybe that's why this number has dipped. So at the end of the day, it's just worth staying away. Um, Houston here. This is very Baylor, Kansas State-y, right? My number is 15 and a half. The number is 18 right now. So again, fundamentally, value on Tulane plus 18 and the fighting Ron Hunters. And it's just a matter of like, do I really want to sweat this out? Now, maybe this turns into Baylor, Kansas State, where it's never in doubt and we didn't have to sweat out late game, you know, nonsense. But, you know, again, I don't really want to deal with Houston, especially coming off a pretty close, uh, obviously a win against Memphis, but a close game where maybe that, you know, had some had them refocusing here in this next matchup. Then Memphis and UCF. This is a little bit inflated. I think there's, you know, obviously some buzz on Memphis that sort of come, came out of nowhere from them competing and, you know, obviously being a banked half-court shot away from going to overtime at Houston on Sunday. But up until then, were we hearing anything about Memphis? Even as it is right now on Joe Lunardi's uh, bracketology, he's got them as a first four out, or he even might have them as a next four out at this point, which obviously means like they're going to have to win here. And what do we say when teams have to win? You'll see it in at the NFL. You'll see it here at come conference tournament uh, week. It just doesn't often work out. And if you look right now at the bubble, you know, it's funny that Duke got eliminated or sort of eliminated themselves, if you will, because if you look at the bubble, you can go through. And one of the interesting things I like to do as sort of, you know, a fan of the sport and in part sort of a handicapping element is you look at these games and you go, you're these teams and you go, okay, is done, like hasn't already, you know, has already been eliminated from their conference tournament, has already been eliminated, has already been eliminated, has already been eliminated. Like they don't have an opportunity um, or they wasted their opportunity, you know, to be honest, to improve their resume, right? Like Seton Hall playing Georgetown here is on the bubble. Obviously, an automatic bid for either team is still in the cards, but Georgetown not on the bubble, have no you know real chance of making the tournament without winning. But Seton Hall knows, you know what? All these teams and their resumes, you know, they've submitted them, right? They've submitted their resume to the committee. Seton Hall is still writing their resume out. And so I think, you know, if you're looking at the bubble, you know, it's more interesting when some of these teams have like, you know, can still play themselves in. And there's going to be one in the SEC that we're going to talk about here in a second. But, you know, Memphis is now one of that, those teams and you see them on the bubble and you go, OK, they have to win this game. Like that's going to inflate the spread a little bit here. And so UCF, which is a pretty talented team, haven't had the season, obviously, you know, as many teams have. 
you know, that they'd hoped for. But at plus seven, I think that's actually a pretty good bet here. And we've talked about Memphis as a futures play at plus 500. But we've also talked about how that's a really, really popular play. And I don't think UCF has much of a chance to beat Houston. So it's not like, oh, we should have grabbed UCF as a futures play. It's more of just like, what's your high end, right? And Memphis's high end is potentially beating Houston. But their low end is, frankly, getting beat by UCF. And so if we're getting a seven-point effective middle here, I think I'm willing to take a shot here with UCF plus seven. Uh, Big 10, as... uh, as I mentioned here, Michigan gets its first start. Put this in in the app last night because I wanted to get to it right away. Michigan minus eight. It's up to eight and a half now. My number is nine and a half. So obviously diminishing returns when it comes to that. I think, you know, congrats to Maryland for getting that win yesterday. They have no issues with getting into the tournament. But again, they're facing Michigan coming off of that loss uh, against Michigan State. I think this is a spot where you want to be backing Michigan. Purdue and Ohio Ohio State, I put this in the BetSperts app, which means it's a best bet. Now, I got a little loose with the BetSperts app yesterday and put, what, seven games in? I think they went four and three on the best bets, something along those lines. And, yeah, it was four and three. Um, Purdue plus one and a half is in the BetSperts app. I think they win this game. Um, You know, you, you guys probably know by now that I'm a little higher on most on this Purdue team. Again, I think they're still a little young to be sort of thinking that they can make the Final Four, but I think this is a really good spot for them to beat uh, Ohio State. Uh, I've also bet on Illinois. I mean, I don't really have to explain that, do I? I have this number closer to 10 for uh, their game against Rutgers. Um, Indiana stinks. I mean, just having watched that game and watched them throughout this season, uh, it's why we were on Rutgers minus three yesterday. And even when Indiana took a pretty commanding 10, you know, double digit type lead in the first half, we weren't overly worried just because we know what Indiana is capable of. And that is being pretty bad. So I put in on Illinois minus seven and a half. We'll see how that goes. You know, maybe Rutgers is that too scrappy team. That's like trying, you know, trying super hard here, but there's, I don't think there's any concern about them making or missing out. I should say on the tournament at this point, uh, Iowa and Wisconsin, I have this minus four and a half, uh, lines minus four and a half, certainly a fair number. Uh, I would lean to Iowa in this game because again, I just have a general disregard for this Wisconsin team more than I think most people do, even if the numbers sort of scratch out to be uh, four and a half. And then finally, the SEC, uh, Alabama and Mississippi State. And I actually like Mississippi State plus eight and a half. Well, it was an impressive win uh, against Kentucky, even though they almost blew that. Uh, only to have Kentucky sort of re-blow it um, back to them. And Mississippi State played Alabama really well. It was a home game a couple of weeks ago. That said, you know, uh, I think eight and a half points is, uh, it's a fair number. It is the number that I make it, but I like this game to be a little bit closer than that. Still think Alabama wins the game though. Tennessee and Florida, I'm just out on Florida. I mean, like I say this every couple of weeks and then I try to give them the benefit of the doubt playing sort of an undermanned, tired Vanderbilt team. They take a 10-point lead and then they just take some of the worst shots and they make some of the worst offensive decisions that you can possibly imagine. And the defense, you know, allows the one player on Vanderbilt, Scottie Pippen Jr., to sort of be able to just walk right through them. They're lucky to have won that game yesterday. And again, this isn't, okay, well, we saw what we saw yesterday, and now we're fading Florida. We're fading them off of a lot of what we've seen so far this season. And at minus three with Tennessee, uh, I'm in on that. Um, even if I think that's sort of a fair number from a numbers standpoint, 
I'll take my chances with Tennessee to advance and do so relatively comfortably uh, against a Florida team that I just think when people talk about sort of the potential of Florida, I just kind of shake my head and just sort of go, I don't really see that. Uh, Arkansas and Missouri. Man, I already missed the Georgia Bulldogs. Man, are they fun. I mean, Tom Crean's just running up, you know, power walking up and down the sidelines just in a state of flux. But when Georgia feels like playing and they, you know, because they have the athletes to do it, they smother you defensively, they get to the bucket, they drive and kick, and it's just a really fun team that when they're down 10 and you have them plus six, you know you're still, you know, you're not out of it because they play at a pace that can get them back in the game. I should say they did play at a pace because, of course, they are out. They probably deserve better. An incredibly shoddy, you know, three-point foul that, you know, kind of kept it out of reach for Georgia. And then a lane violation late in the game, kind of brutal as well. And so, um, again, we'll see how many of those guys come back. Severe Wheeler is uh, just an absolute fireball out there. We'll see how many of those guys come back, and we'll see how badly Tom Crean blows it with, uh, with frankly, more talent than, uh, you know, than the success that they had this season. Um, so Arkansas, um, my number's minus six and a half. Uh, opened four. I didn't get there fast enough. Four and a half, you know, is a number that I bet, uh, and I'm willing to sort of, be okay with that. Um, LSU and Mississippi. Well, these are our two futures, right? We, we've we sort of gotten, and it's not like we we did anything special here. LSU hasn't played a game. And Mississippi beat the brakes off of South Carolina yesterday. No surprise there. And so this is sort of who is, you know, who who's battling here. Whoever gets out of this battle becomes our, you know, futures horse going forward. And so whether that's against Arkansas or Missouri and whether it's LSU or Mississippi, like that's what we're going to deal with there. So there's no real reason in a game that's line minus one and a half. My number was LSU minus two and a half. So again, not anything that, we, you know, there's no value there, no reason to bet it. We'll sort of just cheer for both to have a really great time and nobody get hurt and then just hope for the best uh, in the next game uh, on Saturday. Uh, I think that's it. Quarterfinals, quarterfinals, quarterfinals. Yeah, that's uh, that's the story when it comes to the games on Friday. I uh, wanted to mention uh, the next pod, not going to do one tomorrow. Um, I'll have everything out on Twitter. I'll sort of usual Saturday type thing, I guess, uh, where I'll tweet out the Action Network uh, screenshot, if you will, uh, of the plays for the games on Saturday. It will be a nicer Saturday morning for me. Um, but Sunday night, here's the big news, if you will. Sunday night, I'm going to do a podcast. It will be uh, literally... Uh, you know, selection show happens at, at six o'clock. Um, it, it's done. I will have, you know, written out all of the bracket. I will put my lines for each and every game on paper. I'm going to turn the microphone on and then I'm going to spew all, you know, first of all, my immediate reactions to the bracket and the show in general, um, sort of point out some of the things maybe that we thought these guys were going to say, these sort of cliched stuff, the not that surprising stuff. Um, but then also my numbers for every single game before I see the lines. Because, let's be honest, if I waited until Monday, there is no chance, no chance I wouldn't see the lines on Sunday night. Because I'm going to go through the ESPN, you know, broadcast of the their Bracketology show that happens after the selection show. In this case, I can record that. I'm going to be on Twitter, you know, sort of drinking in all of that content, if you will. 
And so there's just no way that I was what, that I'm not going to be able to see that. So if I'm going to write all of those downs, I might as well turn the microphone on and put those to paper. So hopefully that will be a good exercise, and we'll be able to see, you know, how far am I off on the eight nine game? Do I, you know, is this team fa- is the ten favorite over the seven? Is there a twelve favorite over a five? Which every once in a while that happens. And here's the other fun part. Coolbet.com here in Canada, a sports book that you can easily fund and take money out of, very transparent. I've had Chris Abbott on the show a bunch of different times because I respect what they're trying to do over there. They are sponsoring the Windows March Madness coverage for the next couple of weeks, which is very cool. And what does that mean for you? Well, it means obviously such shows as the Sunday night selection show, but it also means that I'll have a deposit code on the show in the description, I'll tweet it out, that you can put in uh, to coolbet.com to get up to $200 free to bet with for the next month. Doesn't have to be on March Madness, but you know, obviously they have sort of rollover what stipulations, I guess, is the right word, as every sports book does. Um, but since it's March Madness, like you're probably going to be betting a lot, right? And again, if you're in Canada and have access to CoolBet.com, you put in two hundred dollars, they double that. Does it have to be two hundred dollars? No, it can be fifty dollars, and they will double that. But if you're getting If they're going to give you money, you might as well kind of take all of it, right? And so that code, which will be window, it's not gonna be super complicated, uh, is going to be available come Sunday. But that's going to be uh, what's going on for uh for essentially the rest of march when it comes to all of these shows i have a bunch of you know guests and stuff uh lined up so that sunday show will act as the monday show right it's just going to be out earlier because i don't want to be sort of poisoned by you know the lines coming out and early lines and you know those getting hammered so that they're not even available by the time your sports book puts them up and all of that kind of stuff so we'll get that out as soon as possible i presume you know if i turn the mic on at seven 7.30, you know, I get it done by 8.30. Hopefully it's out by 9 that night. Now I realize you're probably not going to listen to a podcast at 9 at night on a Sunday. Maybe you are. Maybe you're that fired up about this. Hopefully you're as fired up as I am, in which case maybe you are. Um, but at least that gives maybe your drive to work on Monday morning instead of lunchtime or, you know, your drive home from work or wherever you consume this podcast, which you know, again, any amount of time maybe saves a half point betting this, betting that. And again, you're smart enough, you can sort of decide whether or not you're going to jump on these early lines. By Tuesday, we're going to get back into it with, you know, the lines will have been shaped, right? And we're going to have guests coming on, uh, essentially celebrating the the return of the tournament, talking about their bracket, just sort of in five, 10 minute increments, you know, different walks of life. And honestly, as a, as a listener right now, if you want to come on the podcast, shoot me a message because we can, we'll have you on for five minutes. I'll select one person to have on for five minutes to talk about their bracket, either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, whenever you want to come on. So sort of a fun little user, um, you know, or listener uh, engagement type of thing there. So again, shoot me a DM, you can be a tweet, whatever you want, uh, to sort of volunteer, if you will, if you want to come on for five minutes um, to just break down your bracket. And it's just going to be as simple as, you know, what are your first round upsets? You know, what are your upsets, you know, sort of in the middle part of the uh, of the bracket? Like, what are you hoping for? You know, do you like this four over this one, assuming they get there? And then your final four with your champion. So if you want to come on and chat about that for five minutes, uh, shoot me a message and we'll pick one person to uh, to do that. 
And like I said, there'll be guests. Uh, obviously, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll talk about different bracket strategies. Also, survivor pools. I'm running my usual survivor pool, so reach out if you want involved in to be involved in that. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, but anyway, just general strategy stuff throughout the week, along with all of the usual sports betting, point spread type stuff action. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. And we can't forget a little let's do that hockey. Thank you, Laszlo. That's obviously going to take a back seat, right, as we get into the tournament. Um, you know, I don't know how much we're going to cover it. You know, probably still sort of do it like we've done this past week, where it's sort of a back, uh, you know, back end of the podcast type thing. I'll still have a few previews up on the Action uh, app and the actionnetwork.com. Um, but again, you know, we're going to be locked into this college basketball stuff. And so I'm not going to be doing two, you know, previews a night type of a thing. And I don't know that they even want us doing that many previews because their traffic is going to be so uh, college basketball oriented. Uh, that being said, you know, we had a big night from a scheduling standpoint. It God, it should have been a big night. Again, for the second uh, in, what, three nights, it was it had sweep sort of fundamentally written all over it, only to go awry. We ended up going three and two last night, picking up a unit, but the losses, Columbus, four to one in the third period. And again, if you're betting at Bet365, that cashed out for you. There was an early, you know, early payout option for you there, which is great. But if you didn't, right? You watched Columbus choke that game away. 4-4 goes to overtime. And again, we're, you know, flashbacks. I said to, you know, my partner Emily, I said, this my phone is going through the television. If we lose another overtime game here, she just responded by, oh. Uh, and sure enough, Florida wins the game in overtime. I restrained myself from whipping my phone Frisbee style through the television. Um, standard operating procedure there. And then Chicago and Dallas, and you flip the game, and Chicago's got a goal already. You're like, what? You flip over. They've had two shots on goal. You're like, okay. They get another goal on, like, their fourth shot on goal. They had four goals on eight shots at one point in that game. Four goals on eight shots. Like, feel free to mix in a save. Anton Kudobin, who, you know, from a metric standpoint, like, there's no indication that, like, he should just have... A terrible game like we try to do our best to predict guys who will completely melt down speaking of which Curtis McElhaney that will completely melt down and not be able to make a save or make a big save right because we talk about goals saved above average as this metric that talks about players or excuse me goaltenders who go above and beyond just average and yeah Kudobin hasn't been that much above average this season but has certainly been that in his career and so for him to just sort of no-show it yesterday and they get, you know, four shots and two goals and then eight shots and four goals, you just, you know, want to strangle somebody because I don't think we were on the wrong side with Dallas. Like they were, they took it to Chicago by and large, but Chicago got everything to go, right? It's like jacking up threes from four, four feet behind the uh, three-point line, right? Bad shots. They went in. You're going to be in trouble. So whatever, right? What can you do? So, you know, again, you're not going to argue with a profitable night, but I mean, if between yesterday and Tuesday with all these same matchups, by the way, like couldn't have had a better beat on some of these matchups, whether it was Columbus and Florida and wanting to stay away uh, in the first matchup and then being back on it 
And, you know, Merzlikens gets announced in and, you know, the line moves from, you know, plus 120 to 105 in some places. We're able to get plus 110, which again, at four to one seems pretty good. Just didn't happen to be the case. And so, you know, Detroit, have to mention that, right? Like we're on it, goes to overtime against Tampa Bay. That was with Vasilevsky at plus, you know, 290 the other day. And so we're back to the well, plus 300. Stupid me, I only put a half unit on because, again, I'm scarred at this point from some of these ridiculous results. And Detroit absolutely walks them, right? Uh, obviously, the good news, McElhaney gets the start, but the price even only just goes down to a plus 280. So still a ton of value where it wasn't like, oh, McElhaney's in, and now all of a sudden this is like a plus 150 type game. That wasn't the case. Like, that's a bet that has to be made every single time. And sure enough, easy win, early payout for those of you, again, betting on Bet365. And then, uh, listen, easy Carolina win. Uh, Talked about in the preview with Nashville, you know, at some point when you're missing your three top defensemen or three of your four top defensemen, that's just going to be diminishing returns. You have kind of no chance at that point. Carolina smokes them. And then Calgary gets the, the new coach bump, the new coach bump like a week later, still in effect, uh, you know, who knows, right? But a two to one uh, victory over Montreal in a game that they led two to nothing. So again, three and two, nothing you can sort of cry about, even if we uh, we need to commiserate about some of these ridiculous losses in overtime um, or on just completely outlier performances like the Blackhawks was. Um, tonight's game, what do you want me to say about this, right? Senators and Oilers, third matchup. Two guys from the Senators flying into the boards uh, should be a you know and are, and are out like in theory should be a spot to hit the Oilers. Maybe they end up winning. You know what? Frankly, there's too much good basketball on to bother with the Oilers. You know, hoping the Oilers cash as a plus two hundred underdog. Steer clear of the games tonight. We'll be back with hockey on Saturday. I'll have I think I'll have a preview for the Action Network. Haven't sort of figured that out yet. Uh, depends sort of how busy I get today, but I think we're going to have one preview. I'll, of course, tweet out any bets on hockey for Saturday. Same thing with Sunday, but we're full bore here with college basketball, right? Can't stop us. Of course, the Twitter feed, at Authentic. so follow along for, obviously, college basketball championship stuff on Saturday and the hockey stuff. Until Sunday night, I'll see you at the window.